How are we doing today, Kingdom City? We good? Hey, as we're standing, thank you, sir. Can we welcome everybody watching online? And all the men of Lansing Correctional Facility, come on, let's give a big round of applause. We love you guys so much. Hey, um, stay standing. If you graduated from high school, college, master's, doctorate, look at you, trade school, nursing school, any kind of school, can you raise your hand right now? Come on. Be prouder of yourself. Put your hand up. We got here, 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 over there. Well done. Right there. Well done. We're so proud of you. Well done. And uh, I want to share just for a moment. Just stay standing. We'll jump in just a second. Um, we have a gift for you, by the way, at the welcome spot on your way out. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Whatever you do next, you commit it fully over to Him. And what? He will establish the plans. He'll establish your plans. He'll make a way, because I know you've already been fighting through just to get to this point, and it's the beginning of a new season. But we at Kingdom City just believe this next season is a God-ordained season, filled with God opportunity, filled with an open heaven, filled with the blessing and favor, opening God doors of momentum and movement in your life. And ultimately, that this next season, as you have graduated out of a study season, now you're in a new season. It is every season is significantly uh, ordained by God. But it says in James chapter 1, blesses the one who perseveres under trial. And that's what you've been in. You've been in testing and trialing and writing papers. Maybe use ChatGPT to do some of it. I'm not here to judge you. But you got your work done. And all of a sudden, okay, now I'm in a, now I'm in a new season. But have you made that trial, having stood the test, that person, you, will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. To me, that speaks to the fact that not just our graduates, but all of us, there's a glorious day of God's blessing and God's favor and God's promotion in eternity. And it's our heart as a church for Liz and I to build a church that we're that day when every single one of us graduate into the presence of God for forever, graduate into eternity, that it is a day filled with blessing, a day filled with favor, a day filled with promotion. So from this day and this new season until that day when it's all said and done, I believe and declare over your life, you will fulfill the call of God, that your best days are right in front of you. Yes, there'll be more trials and more testing, but God who got you this far will see you all the way through. Can we pray for them? Lift your hand again. If that was you that graduated. Come on, put your hand up. I saw you raise your hand reluctantly. If it counts, if it counts enough to raise your hand, it counts to us. Hey, if you're near them, just put your hand near them or put a hand towards them and let's pray. God, we thank you for our graduates. We thank you for the hard work they did when no one else was watching, for showing up when it was inconvenient, for staying the course. Lord, we thank you. They didn't just get a degree. They graduate into a new season, and we declare over them that that season is filled with the goodness of God. There's open doors that even education could not do for them, but the God who created everything has created a path for them. And as they commit their plans to you, they prosper, they thrive, they have promotion, they have blessing, they have the goodness of God in the land of the living. And then one day in eternity, they will see the fruit of all of their rewards. They have studied and showed themselves approved and they've been approved by you, God, at the cross for beautiful 
special and significant destiny and purpose. We celebrate with them and we championing, championing the call on them for the glory of God for their future. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up one more time for them? Awesome, you guys can grab, grab your seats. We love you graduates. You know, when it comes to graduation, um, there's some controversy in my, my family, family of origin. Um, 23 year controversy, it's gone on a long time. Um, my, my brothers, my older brothers graduated from high school. They got a Bible. It's a great gift, it's an awesome gift. When I graduated from high school, um, this is the controversy, I got a car. Yeah. But, and they, they, they bring it up at every chance they get. 23 years, it's been going on. But here's why. Uh, they needed a Bible. <laughs> I was better at obeying the Bible, a better child, therefore the favor of the Father. Just kidding. But um, we're here to talk about the upper room. Uh, this is our last Sunday in this series of talks and messages around the Holy Spirit. How many of you enjoyed the upper room, leaning into the Holy Spirit? And uh, tonight, uh, at five o'clock, right here, we're going to just lean in to unscripted and not forced time leaning into the presence of God. And I'm gonna lead us as a pastor into believing for more of the Holy Spirit and asking for more of his gifts to show up in our life. And if that excites you, entices you at all, you should be here. And you've got nothing to lose and I think everything to gain as we just spend, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's an hour and a half, we just spend in the presence of God. As we worship, as we walk through the word, as we pray for you, we believe God's gonna do something special. Today, I actually wanted to unpack all of the questions that you have sent in or written down or messaged me even personally about your questions about the Holy Spirit. And uh, the truth is, at the 9 a.m. right here up north, uh, there were so many questions, even though I only took about 10% of them, that I preached a marathon service and barely made it to the 10 o'clock on the plaza, and uh, they had to forgive me for my tardiness. So what I'm going to do is, that any questions, because about one out of every three was about baptism of the Holy Spirit or uh, the gifts of prophecy or spiritual language, I will tackle those ones tonight. And today, I'm just gonna handle as many as I can get in in the next 32 minutes, 38, 37, 36 seconds, and uh, answer the questions that you have. Now, the Holy Spirit is a gift. It is a gift. It is not just a subsidiary kind of nice thing to have in your life. A lot of times we have a mentality, uh, even in the church, that it's God the Father who created all things and gave life. There's uh, God, uh, the Son, Jesus, the Redeemer, who died so that we could know the Father. And then in some sort of like hierarchy, somewhere in the middle there is the Holy Spirit. That he's kind of the afterthought, maybe the, the second-hand part. In fact, a lot of people think it's God the Father, uh, God the, the Son, and the God of the Bible. And that's great, but the Bible was written by the influence of the Holy Spirit. The truth is, as much as we worship God, as much as we are grateful and honor Jesus, we should have the same mentality for the third part of the Trinity. That as much as we wanna get close to God, the only way we can even get close to God and the only way we can even know God is through this gift of the Holy Spirit that turned our heart to a place of attention to receive the love of God by accepting the gift of Jesus. So it is a gift, but it's not just the gift of salvation. With that gift comes the daily connection, intimacy, and empowerment 
of the, of the Holy Spirit. Now, in our family, I would say beyond just Christmas and birthdays, every holiday, and I mean like every holiday, is, is filled with festivities because we have an unbelievable gift giver and party planner in our house by the name of Liz Turner. My wife will turn any day that's out of the ordinary at all into a magical moment with decorations. In fact, our kids, on their birthdays, every single one of their birthdays, they wake up, even if they've got to go to school that day, there is a brunch, there are streamers, there are posters, there are balloons. And I keep telling her, babe, they're going to marry into another family, and that family is not going to do what we do, and you're going to set their family up for disappointment. Now, there are two holidays in the year, holidays to us, at least one of them, um, which is we don't go all out. Now we try, and that would be Liz's birthday and Mother's Day. Because I, who do not have the gift of party planning and celebration, even though I'm trying to learn from the best, I'm not quite there yet. In fact, this last, uh, just recently, this last Mother's Day, uh, Liz walks into the kitchen and we had put up streamers and we put up some balloons and we put up some posters. And honestly, we gave it our best shot. And Liz asked me like, did you help the kids? <laughs> I was like, I did it all pretty much. Because I'm not, I'm not great at the celebration. I'm learning. Now, what we tend to think when it comes to the Holy Spirit is that he is there for the big bang moments. That it's the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a worship service. The Holy Spirit gave me a word of wisdom. The Holy Spirit, I got a prophecy moment. And God is in those big moments but we don't love Liz or celebrate Liz just on the big days when she does something that makes the moment magical or for us when it comes to the Holy Spirit, supernatural. We want her all the time. And so we want the comfort of mom, the teaching and training of mom. We want the challenge, the equipping, the empowerment of mom every day. That's what makes it special is that it's always there and then some days it's greater than others, but it's the consistency of intimacy and relationship that produces this longevity of care, of nurture, ultimately that prosters my kids, blesses me and our family, even into our future. So when we're only thinking about the Holy Spirit for special moments of supernatural celebrations like these holiday, holy day, special days, we're missing the intimacy that we're to have every single day. So my heart for us as a church that even when we show up tonight to lean into the presence of God for a few moments, that we're not just expecting fireworks in that moment, but the fire in our heart to know the voice of the Holy Spirit, to receive his counsel, his correction, his care would be nurtured because ultimately you need him every day, not just on big days. You need him in every moment, not just in breakthrough moments. You need the teacher, the comforter, the counselor, the empowerer every day of your life. Now we know in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost to all people. But he's been there from the very beginning. In the Old Testament, he showed up just for those special days and those special someones. Samson had a supernatural gift of power. Gideon got supernatural courage and bravery. Isaiah, Elisha, Elijah, all the prophets had an insight from what God wanted to say. But in the upper room, Peter gets up and he declares to all these guys that came to see the the, the Pentecost holiday, if you will, 
the special day, and they want to know what was going on, and he preaches the gospel to them, and they desire more of it. Acts 2, verse 17 says, hey, this will be like, uh, and it will be like in the last days. He's quoting the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. So the Holy Spirit, by the way, if you want to know if we're in the end times, we've been in the end times for 2,000 years. But if you want to know if this is for you, this is for everyone. The Holy Spirit isn't just for special moments and special people. The Holy Spirit is a special gift from God that gives all sorts of gifts and all sorts of fruits to all of his followers who will listen, lean in, and follow. It's not just for the big days. It's for every day. It's for all of us for all time. And I'm excited to see, as for some of you that are newer to our church, as we've delved into this kind of maybe unknown realm for you, this fourth dimension of life, of walking with the Holy Spirit and the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit, I'm excited not just for the moments where we have prayer nights. I'm excited to hear what God says to you when heaven begins to speak in the everyday moments of your life, because ultimately it's going to make you a better father, a better husband, a better mother, a better leader, a better wife, a better employer, and better employee. It makes you come alive and become more like Christ every single day. So questions that you guys ask, some of them are thematic that I pulled together, some of them are directly from you. If I don't get to your question because of time and the magnitude of questions that we got, multitude of questions that we got, ask the Holy Spirit, he'll give you an answer. What a great pastoral blanket statement that was. What is the best gift of the Holy Spirit? What's the best gift? What's the best one? 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says now about the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, funny you should ask about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. I don't want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working of God in our life. But in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given what for? The common good. It's for the building of the church. It's for the reaching of people. It's for your life to look more like Jesus here and now, the common good. To one there's been given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the means of that same spirit. To another there's this gift of faith by the same spirit. To other has a gift of healing. Uh, another one has miraculous power. In other words, signs and wonders is a gift of the Holy Spirit. To another, there's prophecy in the distinguishing between spirits. In other words, to know that's of God and that's not of God. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are at work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one, here's the key, just as he determines. Now, I'm in the personal belief that if you have the Holy Spirit, you have all of the Holy Spirit. Someone else might have a different gift or different ability but you still have the same opportunity to have every gift because what is the most important gift of the Spirit? It's the one you need when you need it. You do not need a gift of miracles when you're trying to make a decision of discernment for a relationship. You do not need a gift of tongues when you need a gift of faith to get your faith back in gear and to trust God again. These gifts are all from the same Spirit that God has decided. Now, do some people, I believe, have special not better than someone else, but unique gifts that they're more in tune with, I do agree with that. I do believe that there are some, and I would tell you, if you're in this room, you're one of the some. 
that there's something of a gift of prophecy on your life. There might be a gift of discernment or wisdom that you're more in tune with because that is your gifting. Because what does it say? It's all for the common good. By the way, this passage goes on to speak about we are one body joined together, many parts. So if it's for the common good and you have a part to play, the gift isn't about you being spiritually elite. The gift is about what we get to be a part of a family of faith that empowers us to better be the body of Christ to represent Jesus to the world around us. So I would say the one that you need is the one that is most important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, to desire prophecy, the ability to proclaim what God is saying, what God wants to do, what God is declaring. And he goes on to say, as it pertains to building the church. In other words, as it builds all of us together. So you do not prophesy to look like you are a prestigious super believer. You get to speak into what God is wanting to say to someone or to someone so that we can be recharged, refueled, refocused on where God is taking us into the future. But I have a gift of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God that I believe is for every single believer, and it is often overlooked and undervalued. And if I could give you one gift to go after today or tonight or for the rest of your life, it will be this one because I believe it's a gift. Although it is not outwardly powerful, it's inwardly life-changing. This is the gift talked about in Romans chapter 8. And so we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves. It is not master God and poor, pitiful us. It's a mindset change from a heart change. But we should behave like God's very own children. Adopted, listen, into the center of his family and calling to him, Abba, Abba. Not the Swedish band, but the most intimate word for dad in the Hebrew language, my dad, my daddy. I have a personal relationship with my God, my father. For his Holy Spirit, what? Here's the gift. Speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are really God's children. Why do I think this is valuable? Why do I think this is priority? Because everything in your life, history, your lineage, your family of origin, your own mistakes, there's another voice. Jesus talks about the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of the stranger. And the voice of the stranger, for some of you, is the loudest voice in your life. It is saying you are disqualified from your calling. It says that you don't really belong that your life will not really matter for much. You're too marginalized, too left behind, too manipulated by others. You've made too many mistakes. You've broken too many hearts. You've broken too much trust. And so there's this voice that resonates of the stranger that for some of you is the dominant voice in your life. And I'm telling you, it ends today. That the dominant voice in your life that directs your destiny and your God-given purpose is the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. Deep down in your heart, it says, that reminds you who you are because of Christ to your heavenly Father. That the one who created everything and is flawless and without error, the one through who all things have begun and sustains life, has chosen you to not be on the outskirts in a relationship with him, to be the center of his attention in the center of his family. Scientific studies will show that the love of the father is so vital to the wholeness of a child, to the success rate of a kid. And for some of you, that was not the story of your life. Or some of you are raising a kid where that is not an opportunity for them. But for every one of us as believers, because we have been given this gift of the Holy Spirit, there's this gift of the Spirit that affirms our calling 
and who we are, not based upon our performance, but based upon the finality of the cross and the everlasting love of God that ultimately changes our inside world. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to change your inside world, that will powerfully change your outside world because you're no longer trying to live for the approval of people. You're living from the approval of God. God, who could disapprove so many things that have happened in your life, has settled that once and for all with finality at the cross so that he can be your perfect father. And if you can get that gift in operation, oh, the world will change around you when God's Holy Spirit begins to speak to who you really are on the inside. Because although you have made mistakes, you're not a mistake. Before he knit you in your mother's room, he knew you, he called you, he ordained you to be adopted into his very own. Before you were in a broken relationship, God made a way for you to be forever connected to a perfect relationship with him. Even when you don't do hit your part, he does his part. And so he wants to remind you, this is not based upon your performance. This is based upon that I find pleasure in bringing you into my family. And if you have a father or a mother wound in your life, you need the voice of the Holy Spirit louder than ever before because you would be shocked to find how many decisions you make and the mentality that you carry into your daily decisions, into your marriage, into your career based upon inferiority or absence. But when the Holy Spirit begins to speak louder than culture and louder than your yesterday and louder than trying to cancel you for your mistakes, you will find calling and purpose of God and destiny doors will begin to swing wide open as the voice becomes louder on the inside. And that is the gift I desire for every one of you to lean into even more. Now I've talked about it. Is it about the fruit of the spirit or the fire, if you will, empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Friends, it's both. But if I have to choose one as a pastor, I'm gonna choose fruit because you can prophesy and proclaim and speak in tongues and not have any character. But I also, we're not gonna just stay in fruit when there's more for us. And I'll tell you, when you begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, I'm going right along on this question. I think this is what God wants to say to some of you. You will have fruit and you will have divine empowerment. You gotta find out who you are in Christ. Satisfied with that answer? If not, take it up to the big guy. It's your call. <laughs> Question, why do I feel less connected with God's spirit than I did before? How many have been there? Just like, man, I used to feel intimate with God, presence of God, voice of God. Now I feel like, ah, it's a little cloudy. I feel a little distant. Uh, Ephesians 5, Paul writes, don't be drunk with wine or much wine. For some of you, that's the only message you need today. <laughs> Sunday morning comes after Saturday night. Uh, which will ruin your life. But he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. When Saul, when Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Greek word that he used there, it's present continuous tense, which means this ain't a one-stop shop. This is ongoing in your life. Be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it means go on being filled over and over and over again. Yes, there is a baptism moment of the Holy Spirit that we're gonna lean into tonight. I'll do my best to break down some of the scriptures about that if time permits tonight. But once you have the Holy Spirit, you can still get empty of the fuel and the supply of the Holy Spirit. I will say this, I know there are different seasons and times where God feels like he is distant. And maybe you're not hearing the voice all the time like you once were, but I think almost every time, God is not pulling away from you. Something else has gotten in between the two of you. And to use a classic line, it's not me, you, it's me. 
the Holy Spirit would probably remind you, it ain't God, it's you. That he is always wanting to do more, affirm more, encourage more, challenge more, equip more. In fact, he, I don't think our capacity to believe will ever catch up with his ability to provide. He's the God of more. And so if it feels like you're getting less, I would take a good look at what you're doing with your time and your attention. Maybe there's unforgiveness that you need to settle. Maybe you've allowed a whole lot of other stuff to pollute your time. Maybe like Jesus who wrote the letter to the churches in the book of Revelation, you need to return to your first love. You're doing the work, but you're missing the, the heart of the matter. And for you, that might mean you need to fast and pray or cut some stuff out of your life and lean in. And every time you are digging when it feels dry, you are making more room for the water to rise. And I promise you, if you will do the diligence of pursuing him, he will do the exceedingly abundantly above of providing more. Why? Because if you love someone, you don't just go to the altar and say, I do, and make all these vows, and that's it. You don't go your separate ways. You don't have this one covenant connection, and it's over. We don't just receive Jesus, and we're good from that moment on. Yes, you might go into eternity with God, but you will not bring heaven to earth. You not fulfill your purpose with God. It's an ongoing relationship. This is a lifelong journey. You ever had your heat go out in the winter? You ever had your hot water heater go out? Like, the pilot light normally is still working, right? If that's not out, that, that's the first thing you start with. Did the pilot light go out? I, I, maybe you had nicer homes than I did growing up or in my life. But they got that little hole down there, the hot water heater, and you're down there, and you're, you, you know, you're clicking the little thing. Once the light's on and the gas supply is on, that's the most Holy Spirit thing I did all day. <laughs> it, it, it goes. It's on. It's working. For some of you, like, I think as, you're, as a believer, listen, all of you, that's what I mean. That, that light's always there. But there's a fuel supply issue. That you've forgotten first love, first principles, first place. Something else, busyness of life, raising of kids, the career decisions, the content of the media you consume. It's just put a little bit of pause or pressure on the pipeline that's bringing the flow and the supply and the gas. And if you don't have the light on and the fuel going to it, if you're not listening in and leaning in like to this, this fourth dimension of an empowered supernatural life, if you're taking it for granted because you grew up in it, but you've not been pursuing or knowing, wanting to know the Holy Spirit more every day, you're missing the feeling over and over again. And I tell you, if you would go, and I will not promise you a timeline, I will just tell you it would be, it'd be more powerful than you could even imagine. To go and clear out the old lines and reestablish the supply because there's always more of the Holy Spirit for you. That emotional connection, though, like you feel him. I may have felt that, like, man, it just something felt good in my heart when you're in the presence of God. That, that we don't live for the feelings, we live by faith, but the feelings, God brings them in to just affirm and confirm that he is with us. Romans 15 verse 13 said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you, what, you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you do not have hope for your future, you are missing intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the precursor of the faith is the substance of things hoped for. If the enemy can steal your hope in the goodness of God in your future life, in the next day when you wake up, he is stealing your intimacy with God. 
And God wants to reestablish that connection. And if we can have faith that can move mountains, but that starts in the hope of the goodness of God, and you're lacking that, that's where you should start. And I go back to the very beginning, but I said that you need the affirmation of the Father on the inside of you. We're not working for more of the Holy Spirit. We're leaning in to learn more about who he is and his voice because we're not just here to get him so we can use him. We're here to grow close to him so he can use us. That's the move of the Holy Spirit. Question, how can I know if something feels like a prompting of the Holy Spirit is real? So scenario is you're walking down the street, something stirs in your heart, you wanna say something to someone. Now, out of a bad heart, bad things come out that you might want to say to someone. I'm not talking about that. But all of a sudden you have a prompting, a connection. And you feel like, maybe, is God wanting me to do this? Now, God's always wanting you to be hospitable and nice and encouraging. I'm not talking about a, hi, how's your day? I'm talking about heaven's trying to get you to speak something into someone's life. Maybe it's something like, hey, can I stop? You see a person that you maybe know or don't know, and they seem like they're having a bad day, and you feel like the Holy Spirit's just prompting you. You need to go pray for them. Ask them how they're doing. And so you're like in this tension mode. It's like, okay, this seems kind of weird, God. All right, uh, maybe I'll do it, maybe I don't. How do I know if those promptings are real? Well, I would say this. If it costs you pride a little bit and is fostered in humility, I would say more often than not, that's heaven. If you get a prompting that makes you look like a spiritual gangster and they're just a chump and you're the super prophet, that ain't God. Does it build them? Does it love them? Does it help them? Maybe it's someone you know. Is it correcting, but it's done as you speak the truth in love? I tell you, I would risk it for the biscuit on that one. That's not a Bible quote, that's me. (laughs) I would err on the side of stepping out if it costs you some humility and produces something potentially blessing in them. If it makes you look elite special forces, I'll tell you, that normally is not of God. How do I know if the prompting is real? I think we gotta keep in mind that we're dealing with the king of the universe who arrived in planet Earth on a manger, in a manger, around farm animals, who died a sinner's death, who died a criminal's death on the cross and rose from the grave. I mean, if you grew up in church particularly, you come overly inoculated with the Bible stories. Like, if you would just read the Bible stories for what they say, the miracle stories of Jesus, of the Old Testament, and be like, that really happened? How many even know it blows your mind, the things that we already believe? Like we believe the truth of who Jesus is. What I'm saying here is that God has a way of working that seems so out of the ordinary, almost mysterious. Not all the time, but in special moments, God does things so outside the box, you could not have scripted that in Hollywood any better. I mean, for Jesus to be born to nobodies on the backside of the Roman Empire where no one cared, they literally made fun of Jesus' hometown and the king of heaven was born there and died on the cross and everyone rejected him despite all the miracles and authority on his life. You could not have scripted that. What does it mean? It means Isaiah says his ways are not our ways. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which the world calls mighty. So what do I know? I know that if it costs me something and seems outside the box, if maybe it feels a little discomfort in that moment, but I'm feeling a prompting, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for it and I'm gonna lean into it 
And at the end of the day, I might get it right, I might get it wrong. But at least I'll be able to say, I am open to promptings of the Holy Spirit. And then I will take them in. And I know sometimes you don't always have the time, but you have time and testing and asking God conversationally, is this really of you? But I want to build a church that is not so con- like, like shackled by the fear of man that we don't risk it every once in a while for the reward of what God could do for them, not to revel in what God did through us, that we be spirit-led people speaking life, help, and hope to all of humanity into our own church and into our city. At the end of the day, as you pursue him, Luke 11, so the pastor about the Holy Spirit, ask, seek, knock. You'll find, you'll discover, the door will be opened. If you ask the God for your father for the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you. The more you pursue, the more you're gonna find your peace even when God prompts you to do something that's outside of your comfort zone. This next question kind of goes with this last one. How how do I get over the fear of uh, the using of the gifts of the Spirit in my life? Um, So what are we talking about? We're talking about the fear of the known. I I have a a guess that this person that wrote this question was talking about how do I get over the fear of prophecy or fear of tongues, the fear of a word of wisdom for someone. Um, Goes back to what I was just saying. The fear of man is a snare, the Bible says. And so if you're constantly living trapped based upon pleasing other people and their perception of you, you're not gonna live that crazy, and I mean crazy in a good way, like free life with God that is not about the opinions of people because you're living from the approval of heaven, that you're willing to just get out of your comfort zone. Because I would say you're, especially your type A checklist people, you know, people that like you got, you get things done. I mean, we all got that cousin or that aunt who's a little more flowy and a little more freely. She's following the Holy Spirit. But for some of you, you're very organized. You know your way around an Excel spreadsheet. And you got everything dialed in. I think if that's your personality, I think sometimes you struggle more with the pause and the prompting of the Holy Spirit and pursuing it. Because you, you, you know what it means to be disciplined in who you are and your appearance and your representation of yourself. And then I think every once in a while, the Holy Spirit just wants to get you out of that comfort zone so that you can bless and build other people. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit are for the common good, so that you cannot just be so consumed with your appearance or the approval of people, but you can actually be used by God for the healing, restoration, and the revival of people. I got a crazy story I I listened to recently. Um, uh, This this writer named, and he's a a pastor and a preacher named Lee uh, Strobel. Have you heard of the book Case for Christ? This is his book. Now, real quick, he, he was a, um, like a secular Jew, grew up in a Jewish family, didn't really follow practice. And he set out his investigative journal for one of the Chicago newspapers, I don't know, Tribune or Sun. Uh, but he went out to like, use his investigative skills to kind of disprove the gospel. And as he begins to study it, look at historical history, looks at the lives of the apostles, all of a sudden, guy becomes a believer. <laughs> writes his book, The Case for Christ. Great book, sold millions and millions of copies, helped millions and millions of people. It's an awesome book. Now, he tells a story. One day, he was walking through his office. We still looked at the newspaper. And he felt like, for the first time, this prompting of the Holy Spirit, go invite so-and-so to church. And he's like, God, they're an atheist. And God didn't give him any other answer. He said, you know what? I'm gonna go do it. This guy's getting saved today. He rocks into his office, says, hey, hey, Easter's coming up. Would you wanna come to my church? And he says, Lee, I'm a 
I'm an atheist. You know that. I don't believe in your God. I don't believe there is a God. He's like, ah, oh, cool, 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 cool. Um, goes to plan B. Hey, you like music. We've got great music. Anyone ever try that strategy? There's free coffee. <laughs> the guy says, and I quote, Lee, I'm not going to your stupid church. And Lee left there knowing that he'd never be used by God and he doesn't hear the voice of God. And he left there like, God, what was that? That was a fail. Well, years later, he's preaching at some service, maybe sharing about his book. And this gentleman comes up front and says, hey, I, I need to shake your hand. Hey, you're, you're, you've majorly impacted my life. And Lee's probably thinking, oh, you read my book. Let me sign a copy for you. You're welcome. The guy said, no, no, no. Years ago, um, I lost my job. And I couldn't provide for my family. And I asked my friend who worked at the Chicago newspaper if I could just help out and earn a little side money. So he had me preparing, uh, fixing and um, repairing the tiles. And you walked in one day to this guy's office to invite him to church. And man, did you go down in flames. But I was sitting in the back corner where you couldn't see me working on the ground. And I hadn't been in church in years. And I felt God tell me I need to go to your church on Easter. Me and my wife went that Sunday and we gave our hearts to Jesus. The next day, next weekend, our son came with us and he gave his heart to Jesus. The next week, all three of us were baptized and he forever changed our life. See, what it says to me is that's not gonna be the story for every one of your promptings that you obey. But the God is working something in your faith of obedience that is bigger than you could know. And ultimately, what I believe he's trying to do is to get you over yourself so that you could start really helping people. And if they do not receive it and it doesn't work, at least you can say, I tried to obey to the best of my ability, but you will never fully know what God does on the other end until you have the faith to step out and you disregard the fear of man. And I believe the more closeness you develop with the Holy Spirit, the more that the fear is canceled in your life. Skipping ahead, how do I explain to my daughter what the Holy Spirit is, she's eight years old. Well, first off, the Holy Spirit's not a what, it's a who. And I would say this, our kids have more imagination than we do. Our kids have more faith than we do because Jesus says you need the faith of a child to enter into the kingdom. I would say instead of trying to teach them some theological discourse, they probably already have an understanding even, even through the media that they might watch, that there are unseen things that impact us. And what you can do for them is what I, listen, I have learned to do, is just model giving space and time to the Holy Spirit in front of them. Uh, you can just take a time. Maybe it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in a season. Maybe it's every day. And you guys pray together, invite the Holy Spirit in, and just listen and ask them, hey, is God speaking anything to you? Every night before I put my kids to sleep, as I pray with them, the last thing I pray over them is I put my hand on their head and I say, God, would you fill them with the Holy Spirit? Because I'm doing my best to be a good dad and a present dad, but this dad ain't gonna be here forever and I'm not gonna be in every situation and scenario in their future life. But they do have that Abba Father that wants to confirm who they really are in Christ that will be with them long after I'm gone and will be them in their college and will be them in their career and be with them in their marriage. And the more I can just encourage them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the more I'm passing on something that's greater than my work ethic or my daily discipline that I show them and the way that I love them. I'm doing all those things as well, but I want them to know the spirit of the living God. 
and we kingdom kids. We do not just entertain, and we don't play games only, and we don't just teach a little Bible study. We do all those things, but we also leave room for God to speak. At kids camp, at kingdom kids camp, at our youth conference that we go to, we leave space for the Holy Spirit. Because one encounter with the divine presence of the living God can change your life forever. He can do it for your kids, and he can do it for you. And when we have a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, not afraid of this world, but filled with the awe of God generation that will go farther than us now, we'll be that 100-year-old church in the making, and we'll bring heaven to earth for years and years to come. If you're not leading your kids to closeness to the Holy Spirit, start today question, if I don't see specific gifts in my life, is there something lacking or some gifts that aren't just for me? As we read earlier, the Holy Spirit decides the gifts, the empowerment. I do believe that once you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. I do believe he wants to lead and guide you to follow him more. But I'll say it this way. Did Jesus have all the Holy Spirit? It wasn't a rhetorical question. Did Jesus have all the Holy Spirit? Yes, thank you, two of us. <laughs> read our Bible. Did Jesus have all the gifts of the Spirit? Yes. Okay, great. Got some work to do. <laughs> Jesus is the fullness of the presence of God, right? All God, all man, all the time. What's our high calling? To know our Bibles really well? It's a good thing. To be like Christ, right? We will never fully get there until eternity, but in the meantime, our high calling for every one of you is to become more like Christ. So to become more like Christ, who is filled with every gift and the full empowerment and enabling of the Holy Spirit, do you think that it's something that we keep leaning in as disciples that God will keep developing in our life? My personal answer would be yes, that there's more in every facet and in every way. Jesus prophesied, Jesus healed. Jesus had gifts of faith. Jesus had uh, discernment of spirits. Jesus had it all, and so can you. That's what I believe. And I believe maybe you have a specific gift or two or three that are more in operation in your life. That's great. I love that. We use it for the common good, for the building of the church, for the blessing of other people, not for us to look great, for us to do great things for God. And if we carry that spirit with humility over time, God will pour out more to vessels that are distributing more. And there is more for every single one of us. Okay, final one. How do you, you guys get anything out of this? It's helping you? How do you discern what prophecies are from God and what are not? That's a good one. I talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago, but first and foremost, uh, this is called uh, the Word of God. Um, this is written under the inspiration and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I personally believe there's not a word in here that the Holy Spirit didn't want written down. And so when we know this, we know the mind of Christ, we know the character of God. If the prophecy is out of alignment with the Bible, that ain't a prophecy for you. Some prophesy and some prophesy. <laughs> General vague prophecies that God has good things for you, great. Word of encouragement, not a prophecy. Take all you can. How many know you need more encouragement than ever before? That's why some of you rocked up to church today. You need to be encouraged. Take heart. God's with you. Okay. But a specific prophecy that you might act on or obey. The Bible says and. 1 Thessalonians 5, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold to what is good. So there might be parts of it that in time and testing and in attention with God, that might not be for you. 
but at least you hold to it and not push it away and despise it. And you'll see that God will confirm that which is for you. All prophecy that is for you will line up with God's character. It will not be out of total left field of something you're not already walking through, trying to find and navigate your way through, trying to understand more. God will speak to that need, that absence, that question that arises in your heart. This is why I would encourage you that when you feel a prompting for someone that you know, not a rando in church, build a relationship. I know we're trusting God, but this is what I ask for you as a church. That as you know them a little bit, you would say something like this when you feel a prompting. Hey, I feel like God wants me to tell you this. And you'll see that sometimes people are like, oh, thank you very much. God bless you. And then sometimes they'll be like, that's exactly what I was asking God for. That's exactly what I was asking God for. You don't come in and say, the word of the Lord for you is, okay, you're not John Wayne coming in guns blazing. You're a servant of the Most High God. And you come in and say with the spirit of humility, hey, I feel like God was putting me on a, my heart that your relationship with your, um, with your dad is a little off. Maybe it's broken. But God wants me to tell you this. And that one word from you by the Holy Spirit doesn't make you famous. It makes God famous. And it fixes and heals and restores and returns people the place where God has called them to go. Prophecy is for building up, edifying. If there's condemnation in it, that ain't God. I will say not every word is one that you always want to hear. November 2017, we had a unbelievably influential businessman who also is a gifted minister. Um, his name is Ken Costa. He's out of London. He's um, a financial banker and help finance uh, through Holy Trinity Brompton, the Alpha Movement. And he's, a, he's an unbelievable guy. I had to spend some time with him and we had him speak on a Sunday night. And on that Sunday night, afterwards, he had a word for me. He's also, he's like spiritual counsel for the royal family. How many know they could use some counseling? And uh, he said, hey, God promised me to tell you something, but it's not fun. Do you want to hear it? Initial thought, Eh, write it down. No. I'm like, yeah, if it's of God, I want to hear it. And he said, and this is at a time when our church was just up and to the right. We couldn't, we couldn't miss on mission and ministry and lives and evangelism. And he says, hey, you're about ready to enter into a very painful season. Extremely costly. But as you make it through, just know then the other end of it is something better. And I received it. And he was not wrong. The next year, extremely painful. Reverberations of 2018 and on, extremely painful. But we've been entered in in this last year and still stepping into something so much better. And I had that word to anchor my heart to when I felt like all hell was breaking loose, that God knows what he's doing. And sometimes there is a word of warning and a word of correction and a word of realignment that you need. And if you've not asked God and you feel off or you know you're off in an area, you need to go into his presence and just like Peter said, repent. Get a fresh washing of your relationship with God. 
receive the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is, these light and momentary afflictions that all of us go through, one of the questions why, how come if I feel the Holy Spirit, my life is still trash? <laughs> As my own paraphrase. It's because uh, this broken world that we're in, bad decisions we make. Other people have free will. They make decisions that affect us all the time. But it's actually that intimacy with God that reminds you of who you are in Him to go back to the very beginning that affirms you're called, you're loved. You might have made some mistakes, but you're not a mistake. He's still got a plan for you. The calling of God is irrevocable. The offer still remains. He'll use you. He'll love you. He'll bless you. He'll fulfill you in your future. And although you go through light and momentary afflictions, they gain for you a glory that far outweighs it all. And for some of you, you're taking a high road or the hard road of humility to be open to the Holy Spirit. And that's all that I want from you is that you be a little bit open and a little bit curious and a little bit intentional in inviting him in and leaning in and watch and see. He will fill you over and over and over again. There are spiritual gifts. There is more fruit and there is more intimacy with God every day of your life. Not just for big breakthroughs, for everyday battles so that you can have ultimate victory. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let me prophesy over you for a moment. Not specific, but general people of Kingdom City Church. Not for us as a movement, as a body of Christ. For every mother, for every father, for every husband, for every wife, for every child. The Holy Spirit is about to do something new in you and in us. Old things that you've held on for far too long, you're going to learn how to leave them at the cross once and for all. Habits, behaviors, addictions are about ready to find their end in the victory that Jesus has given you. Lack of wisdom, discernment, direction. The days of just trying to feel it out and lots of dead ends and closed doors are over in Jesus' name. There will be difficult days ahead, but God is developing you in the resistance for the reward that will happen in this life and in eternity, the life to come. You will be affirmed at a new level in your inner man or woman of who you are in Christ. And nothing that anyone else says could steal away the love of the Father in your life. And from that place of acceptance, you can change your world and you can change the world. There's a revival coming as our hearts are open, receptive, and palatable, moldable to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding dismissed it, repent. If you're open to him, be open more. As you hear him, obey him. And watch the beautiful life and the beautiful journey he's taking us together and you individually into your future. The Holy Spirit is here and he's for you. Father, I pray the filling of the Holy Spirit, intimacy with their Father God, healing old wounds, restoring joy, fresh hope, fresh peace. There's more fruit for them, more love, more faithfulness, more of the goodness of God. There's more of the fire for them, burning away all the old. There's prophecy, there's words of wisdom, spiritual language, fullness of the Holy Spirit 
not for the big days, for their everyday. And if they know you more and follow you wholeheartedly, and as we answer the prompts with a humble yes, God will do it, watch and see the lives that are forever changed based upon your obedience and his love, the love of the Father working through you to the world around you. Fill them with your presence, God. Change them, shape them, affirm them, encourage them from the inside out and ignite them with a passion for you, God, and for the world around them. It would burn so brightly, it would draw all people, not to them, but to Jesus. Holy Spirit, we're after you. In Jesus' name, stay in this moment of prayer. If you're here, if you're online at Lansing, just keep your head bowed for a moment. And you need a relationship with Jesus. The first, and I think one of the most beautiful, maybe the most, most important work of the Holy Spirit is your salvation. He is prompting your heart to say yes to God, the gift of Jesus, to receive his grace, or maybe to come back home to him. Because you've got the, maybe there's a little flicker of flame, but the, the supply, your first love has been cut off. If that's you and no one looking around, we're going to pray a prayer all together as one family. But if you want the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to say yes to Jesus. And he's prompting your heart right now to receive not just a religion, but a deep and ever-deepening relationship to walk with him, to be who you were called to be, to be forgiven, to be a son or a daughter be a person that fulfills destiny and kingdom calling. If that's you with no one looking around, I'm not going to make you come up front, but I want to pray with you. If that's you and you need a fresh start with Jesus, can you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Kyle, that's me today. That's me. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I see you. Man, I'm proud of you. It's dark in here. I can't see every hand. God sees your heart. Put your hands down. Now let's pray together. I see you over there. Never too late. That's awesome. Never too late. We say this together. Come on, we can say this with a smile on our face and eyes wide open because we have this closeness with God. Remember, we're not slaves. We're sons and daughters. And you can look your father right in the eye. And what you're going to see back is that God who created everything, created you and loves you completely. Can we pray together? Say this with me. Say, dear God, I received the gift, the gift of Jesus, the gift of forgiveness. He took the cross. He took my sin. He took my past. He is my future. Jesus, I'm after you. By your Holy Spirit, God, make me more like Jesus. Help me fulfill my purpose, my calling, my potential in Christ. My old is gone. My new has begun. I'm all yours, now and forever, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate, everyone? Church, I love you very, very much.